Hi, this is Steve Bose, and you're listening to the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network. Subscribe to all the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network shows on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Just search for HR Happy Hour. Thanks for being a part of the HR Happy Hour family, and enjoy the show. And, and, you know, we want family members to be really proud of the fact that our teammates um, work with us and say, oh, yeah, that's a great place. They do everything right there. Welcome to We're Only Human, a podcast focused on blending research and practical advice to help today's HR, talent, and learning leaders improve business outcomes. Let's welcome your host, Ben Eubanks. Welcome, We're Only Human. This is Ben Eubanks, your host, and I'm so glad to have you here. Goodness, this schedule's been a little bit off this summer. Um, hey, kids, what are you going to do? School's back in session almost here in Alabama, and I'm squeezing the last bit of the summer for all that it's worth. You know, I've been doing a, a ton of speaking lately, been really loving it. Uh, not too much travel, thank goodness, in July. Also working with a few clients on some fun reports and research, and we'll be sharing those very soon so you can get your hands on that. I'm about to actually celebrate a major milestone with a podcast two years hard to believe started this off two years ago kind of was a fun thing I was interested in and um, didn't have any idea how far it was going to go and still still after all this time of all the things I get to do the podcast is one of my very favorites I get an opportunity to talk with people who are passionate about their craft and their impact on the world and the rest you get to listen and enjoy it as well I'm actually planning a fun episode to celebrate the anniversary that you don't want to miss, so make sure you're subscribed to the feed with your favorite podcast app. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, iTunes, pretty much everywhere. Also, I'm always looking for some great guests and topics that might interest you. If you have a topic or something else that you're like really curious about, feel free to shoot me a note at ben at upstarthr.com. Happy to consider that for a future episode. Today, I'm really excited to bring you a guest that I had the pleasure of meeting almost a year ago today. The conversation reminds me in some ways of an earlier episode, number 20. I'll make sure and put that link in the show notes um, in case you want to check it out, where I interviewed Joe DeLoss. He's the founder of Hot Chicken Takeover. If you didn't hear that episode, you should definitely go back and listen because Joe will get you fired up about life and the impact we have on people from an HR perspective. His company prioritizes hiring fair chance or second chance candidates, makes all new hires, even the executives, work in the dish tank in the kitchen, and they have some other interesting culture things that they do as well. The angle there that ties in with today's guest is working with your heart, not just your head. You'll quickly gather from some of the phrasing that Dana uses in today's call that that's how she lives. She's all about the heart, and it shows. We talk about her role at Ohio Living, what the company does, and how recognition and core values drive the right behaviors for their employees. It's one of those interviews I didn't want to ever end, but we managed to pull it off without spending all day talking shop. I hope you enjoy it just as much as I did. Now, on with the show. I'm excited to actually do this interview today. I've been thinking about it for a long, long time, and I was just telling the, my guest a few minutes ago that when I heard her speak and, and share some of her story, it was inspiring to me, it was exciting, it was fun, um, and hopefully you're going to get some of those same flavors in the conversation today, so I'm not even going to hesitate. I'm going to welcome Dana on to the call today, Dana Olam Buselich. She's... Um, an executive over, executive over at Ohio Living, and she has some really great insights to share with us. So, Dana, welcome to the show. Hi, Ben. So good to be with you. Absolutely. So tell us who you are, what you do, um, so everybody understands a little more about your background. 
Sure. Uh, as you said, my name is Dana Alamvusilich. I serve in the role of Chief Human Resources and Ethics Officer for Ohio Living. We've been in business since 1922, and we are 3,200 employees strong, serving 73,000 Ohioans annually. And uh, I work in a business that is largely misunderstood. When I say senior services, people think we are nursing homes exclusively. But what we are is an organization that creates a vibrant living, uh, for, that creates vibrant living and healthcare services for people over 55. And some of those people enjoy our residential living services and our brownstones, villas, apartments, and patio homes, enjoying our campus living. And they're very independent into the broader community. And some of our seniors are vibrant within our life plan communities and being served by assisted living, memory care, and skilled nursing care. And we also offer short-term rehab for post-surgery and hospitalization. But the, and the majority of our adults who we serve uh, live in the broader community, and they, we care f uh, for them through our home health and hospice services. So that's a little bit about Ohio Living. For me, um, before I was at Ohio Living, I spent uh, 10 years as a VP at a hospital, and I've just been in human resources all my life. So this is uh, what I get, and I love, love, love doing it uh, in senior services in this industry. It's just it's remarkable. Excellent. I love that. I can't remember if we talked about this when we met before, but the very first HR job that I had was actually at a, at, um, a company that did, the, did direct care for the developmentally disabled and mentally ill. Not 100% the same, but some of the like, memory of care. Like that. I think some of that would probably be an overlap for the things we've done. And that is a really it's an interesting, it's a, such an inspiring line of work, but it's also really tough. Right. Really challenging, incredibly inspiring. It's such a, a gift to me. Uh, sometimes you'll hear people say, "Oh, I could, I could never do that work," and you know they they mean it in very heartfelt way. Sometimes I think, uh, "Too bad," because boy, are you missing out? Because I have to tell you, the people we attract are so they have their own personal mission statements. It's such a blessing to bring them because we have a very strong mission statement and how we serve seniors and and what. Value we want to bring to the broader community, but we attract these people who have something to do with their own legacy that complements our legacy, but its own it's just theirs and, and beautifully connected in their souls and, and how they want to give and, and what they want to leave behind. And it's just such a privilege to work alongside of our, our staff. So tell me more about that. That is, that, I love you saying the word souls in this because it's already telling us the direction I think this is going to go. It's not about like what it's all about. Obviously, the bottom line matters and all that good stuff, but it's also about making sure that we're giving people an environment that that they love everything else. Um, so talk a little bit about let's talk about the the stuff that maybe is not as much fun or is maybe a challenge for you. Maybe the challenges of the industry or maybe mm. around just the things that that you guys face um, or it could even be like the people related challenges, turnover, engagement. Again, that was I just draw from a little bit of experience I have in that space and you have much more than I do. That was one of the challenges that we always face. So tell me more about some of the challenges and things that that keep you up at night maybe or keep your leadership up at night and then we can talk about some of the ways that you try to tackle those. Sure. Um, we, like many other businesses, Ben, are taxed by very low unemployment in our markets that we serve. And the war on talent is very real. Uh, attracting values-driven individuals and keeping them is a priority for us. It's the priority for me. 
And uh, and so when I, I I look to you know how are we going to stay in business? Well, we we have to be incredibly uh, efficient. Um, in our industry uh, uh, across the nation, our margins are very tight, like less than two percent margin. And so we have to really figure out how to drive the business. And of course, being a not for profit, any resources that we have left over are put right back into the business to, again, attract talent, to provide additional services and programming to the people we serve, et cetera. Um, and so I would say the key challenge is uh, managing the resources of the business. Uh, uh, there's not a lot more money coming from insurance companies. Uh, insurance companies are trying to keep their cash in, in their pockets. Medicare and Medicaid are finite. There's not a, a stream of resources coming in that direction. None of us want to pay more in taxes. And so where are the dollars coming to uh, afford the care that we want to deliver, and uh, and how do we maximize the best wages and benefits for these great values-based team members? And so, those are the challenges. Really, that's what that keeps me up at night is uh, is finding that incredibly beautiful value-based uh, individual and and hanging on to them uh, like they're precious family members. Mm, I love that. You mentioned values a couple times. One of the things that struck me a little bit is your title is not just HR, it's not just CHRO, but it also has this ethics piece woven into it. Um, talk a little bit about how you see those two things related, because some companies have a separate, you know, ethics is, is this other thing over here. But I love the idea of that being tied in with how you treat people and like the HR side of the house. Can you talk about kind of the blend of the things you have to do? as the ethics officer that, that kind of run over into, the spill over maybe into the HR side? Sure. Um, one of the things uh, that we do um, in, in ethics is it's, it's a part of every part of what we do, meaning we don't like to separate it out because, um, you know, as the ethics officer, I say, in and of myself, I can't create ethics within the organization. It has to be the thing that all of us are here to do and all of us believe is our values. And so we want to operate with integrity, and integrity is one of our six core values. And so how we do that, how we showcase integrity in a correct bill uh, going to the people we serve um, with uh, the appropriate amount of services and therapy visits and things like that, uh, with the way that we talk to each other and how we hold care in our mouths as we hold people accountable. Um, but with the expectation of delivering great service. And so the way that we, I guess, ethically do that uh, it's, it's through crucial conversations and other things like that. The, the way that we talk about our challenges, the way that we apologize for the mistakes that we've made, the, the way that we're honest about our desire to grow, um, the way that we acknowledge that we're not there yet and we want to be future fit. I think I learned that word from you <laughs> earlier, Ben. And so all those things that uh, we connect with our ethics, it just wants to be how we recognize our culture and how we hold up uh, other people within our organization that allow that integrity to thrive every day. I hope that answered your question. I would like to think that I have something so profound to say of we've read the statistics and this is what, you know, what this alignment opportunity was. It, we sort of just kind of created it organically because it made sense to us and how we talk about our business. Well, that was an 
I had something in my mind, and you went in an entirely different direction, and it was even better than I expected. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear what you thought it was going to be, because I might change my answer for the next time. <laughs> well, you know, I, it's just that um, in the past, I've been tasked with delivering ethics training and, you know, like the training side of it and things like that, thinking about how can we make sure that people are making the right decisions. But I think um, that's because it was seen as a requirement, not as this thing that we embed, like you said, into the culture. Like, hey, integrity is important to us. This is not just a thing that we, we throw up there on the wall and then we, we walk away and then in your daily work you might make a decision that's kind of in a gray area, but no, no, no big deal. But you said this is something that everybody does, even down to, you know, I love giving examples. Like you said, the, the person billing, like let's make sure we're billing the right things that we actually deliver to this person and get that accurate and correct because that is an integrity issue if we're, if we're um, overblowing that and trying to get more out of that person that, that might not be correct or making sure that our people, hey, you said you did that check on that patient or that, that uh, individual. Make sure you really did that. Don't don't just check that off and, and move on because you're in a rush. You're trying to hurry exactly. your day. There are so many examples of how that can funnel down into each person's daily work, decisions, everything else. And when you have that very core fundamental, this is I, I call them core values for a reason, but it's when you have that thing that when you come to a decision point and you're like, I'm not sure what to do, you fall back on, on those things, those core tenets, those core beliefs, those things that are unchanging, unwavering, no matter what the decision point is, you know that, okay, if I look at it through this lens, I do know what the right thing that I should do and what my leaders expect me to do and, and all that other stuff. So I can't remember what the what the exact quote is, but something like culture is what your people do when, when no one's looking. No one's looking, yeah. Well, and making it safe. I, I really how you said all that because I have to have an environment where it feels safe for me to question anyone, no matter their authority, their scope over me, or, or, or whatever. And if we can just have a discussion around the facts, the, the, the kinds of details that make sense or don't make sense on a daily basis, if I can say, I'm just not sure why you're doing that, or help me understand why we do this instead of this, or when I read that, this is how I understood it, or like, what the heck's going on right now? And all those kinds of things, if you can make the environment really safe to mention any and everything, then I, I think you're, you're, you're deeper into living uh, an ethical culture. Because I have to tell you, it was a little over my head, you know, I've been in human resources a long time, and um, uh, about 10 years ago, uh, my, the CEO I had at the time said, hey, Dane, I'd really like you to, to take over ethics and compliance in addition to HR. And uh, I remember at the time I said, well, no, thank you, but I'll find you a good one. And, uh, and, and then someone else said to me, I don't think the CEO is asking you, Dana. I think this is actually going to be how you're serving the organization moving forward. Um, now, I'm no longer responsible for compliance because compliance has really become a, a really big job uh, with, within our industry. And so a few years back, I uh, requested a consideration from our board and our current CEO to, to hire someone full-time. But... When I took over, my, the HR modeling is all I ever had in my framework, and to try to learn both compliance and ethics and think, how do I make this work culturally? And what I, uh, I did is I started a, an integrity and action newsletter. So I figured if I could take snapshots of employees' faces and say how they were living ethically on the job and why do we be someone that the rest of us would want to hold up and emulate, that by talking about our employees, by recognizing their achievements, 
I could then create the, a, a deeper culture or at least an understanding about the expectations at work on those lines. And I actually send that to employees' homes because I want them talking about it in their uh, homes with their loved ones and saying, this is what's expected of me at work. You know, why do you think this is important? And, you know, we want family members to be really proud of the fact that our teammates um, work with us and say, oh, yeah, that's a great place. They do everything right there. And if they don't do everything right, Right? They fix it, apologize for it, move on, and learn from it. Um, I know sometimes in ethics and compliance there are some very hard structures because the work is very serious. But sometimes you can have so much structure that you go from like a very legal mentality. There's this new policy. There's this new regulation. It's 50 pages long. Let's mail it to every employee home. Let's make them sign this requirement that they acknowledge that they got it and they read every paragraph. Well, you know, what's the practical application of that? Does that change an employee's behavior because they received a 50-page document in the mail and find that they received it? No. How do we break those down and give them opportunities to be successful and then celebrate when they are? So that's the only way I knew how to do it is just from my HR framing and the, and the training I've been afforded in my life. And luckily for us, it's, been, it's, it's kind of worked so far. Oh, I can, well, I would imagine that it does, right? I, I love hearing the story, this example of using stories and using, using real people. This isn't about you know, some fictional situation that, uh, you know, let's, let's give our employees this, this, um, these hypothetical situations and try to let them guess what the right ethics you know, choice is or whatever else. No, let's, let's give them an example of a real employee and mm-hmm. what they did and show them, explain to them the right thing. I was telling, you'll appreciate this, I was telling someone the other day that one of the very first blog posts that I ever wrote was this, rant that I sat down and I wrote that I was, was so upset and I didn't know what to do. And I just kind of spilled it all out there and published it. And it was basically, I want to say it was like an open letter on training or something like that. And I just sat through as a new employee, again, that same company I was talking about, I just started as a new employee in, in HR and they said, hey, you sit through our new supervisor training. I'm like, oh, this will be great. You know, I'll get to kind of see how we're, how we're preparing them to lead and to, to run their teams and everything else. And I sat down with these other supervisors, and for, I think, three or four days straight, we watched videos of attorneys telling us all the bad things mm-hmm. that can happen. Mm-hmm. Don't do this. Don't do that. Here's the list of no's and don'ts and mm-hmm. thou shalt nots. And we finished, and they're like, okay, you're, you're now ready to go, go lead. I'm like, wait a minute. When are we going to tell them what they should do? When are we going to tell them what to aspire to? When are we going to give them oh. set this bar, set this bar high enough that they actually strive to try to achieve for that instead of just saying, uh, don't do that or bad things happen. Instead, let's say, do this and you will be great and your people will be great too. And um, that was a, a big challenge for me because basically everything that you're doing right here where you're sharing the success stories and everything else, we were taking the total opposite approach. If someone was great, we would very quietly you know, clap them on the back or, or give them a small award or a thank you, but then nobody ever had any idea that they had done that thing, and so there was no chance for it to spread in a positive way. Well, I, I can't wait to uh, hear that uh, podcast or that blog about your rant because it sounds like one that could be inspiring for all of us, truly. Goodness. Um, so let's transition just a little bit. So we talked about culture a couple times. It's one of those things that we can't get away from. And one of the ways that I've seen companies really dial in on that is by considering engagement and thinking about what that looks like. But the, the challenge is when I say the word engagement, that it, it means something differently for every single person that's listening to this. 
depending on your company, your industry, your position. Somebody else has a different image of that. So talk specifically for us about what that looks like at Ohio Living. Um, maybe even by explaining in behavioral terms what separates someone who is engaged from someone who isn't. Sure. Um, we do uh, an employee opinion survey every other year. And we actually do uh, a pulse checks with employees after two weeks, 45 days, and 75 days, and then, of course, uh, when persons exit our organization. Um, and in the analysis of our employee opinion survey, um, uh, we perceive there to be five types of employee categories um, that, that our vendor has helped us uh, realize. And um, they break down into these uh, five words, resistors, contributors, endorsers, advocates, and catalysts. And so uh, just to, to be clear, we want you know, persons who are full of that catalyst and advocacy behavior, who are highly engaged and radically committed to our organizational success. And beyond personal fulfillment, these individuals are highly engaged and invested in the overall success of the organization. So that's, that, that's sort of that in a nutshell. And, um, and, and of course, you know, much like, like a Likert scale, um, some say Likert scale, so uh, whatever folks are comfortable with, um, that one, two, three, four, or five. And so if I said, I am very satisfied at work. I could score, um, um, oh, if I said, how do I agree with this statement? Uh, I am satisfied at work. I either strongly disagree as a one or disagree, neutral, agree, or strongly agree. Um, and, and that's how we break down um, um, those, um, uh, those analysis. And in our organization, our um, uh, scores continue to go up. We're so excited about that because, you know, we try to bring so much value you and you know sometimes organizations stagnate and and yet it's like so frustrating when you do and luckily for us we just keep growing and growing and getting really best place to work status all through and through um, uh, we're at 81.2 percent as a mean score which means if someone you know we're responding to the I feel satisfied at work there'd be greater than a, uh, a four on that scale uh, on the eight one eight 81.2, pardon me. And so um, we are trying to drive people to being catalysts, and the majority of our employees make up that, that advocacy and catalyst role. And from the previous survey that we did to this current one, we're continuing to grow more and more catalysts. Um, and so the way that I would practically see that behavior, if I were looking down, if I were kind of walking down the hallway uh, of, of one of our, our communities, for example, um, the, the way that I would look for engagement is, is this. So primarily, I could see someone sweeping the floors. Uh, I could see someone um, serving a resident a meal. I could see someone uh, giving uh, clinical care. And how the delivery happens is, is what defines engagement for me. If they're looking the person they're serving right in the eye, if they're joking about their day, they're inviting the resident to share about what their joys have been, their memories have been, and those kinds of things. If they're doing the thing called the service, on top of the thing called love and care, that's what 
engagement looks like to me. Um, and of course, our, our number one feeder source of, of uh, residents and clients are other residents and clients. Um, and so it behooves us from a, a practical business standpoint to behave in such a way that we appear engaged at work. But that's not anything folks can fake. They're either feeling it or they're not. Um, and so that's how we, we track it. Um, and uh, that's what engagement means to us. I could provide a million other examples of what engagement looks like, but I'm going to take a pause and see what your reflections are and what you might like to hear more of. No, absolutely. That's exactly what I was looking for because, again, um, again, I love the words you're using. You, it's not just about delivering a service because anybody can do that. Even the most most disengaged person in the world could could kind of just carry out that dose of emotions, but for the ones that that are doing it, you know, even something as small as eye contact, you, but you use words love and care, and I love that. Um, I remember hearing a, a speaker a couple years ago. He said, you know, happy isn't the same thing as engaged because he, he said I went in this this uh, place to buy something for my daughter, and that the young lady working around the counter was really happy listening to her music, and she was rocking away over there, but we couldn't get any help from her. She was not interested. <laughs> and, and, you know, in any capacity, and so we left. And he said, you know, she was a happy employee, but she wasn't an engaged one. She wasn't. She wasn't doing things needed to be. And I, I love that you kind of broke that out from, you know, your, some of the things that the people have to do. You sleeping floors, doing clinical care. Some of the some of the work is not glorious and fun and exciting, um, but at the same time, if you're doing it, knowing that it's having this impact on someone else, it's having this this positive impact on their life, on their well-being, on their capability to to live their own life. Um, and you're possibly enabling that for them. That's that's so exciting. Thank you, Ben. I think so too. You, what you made me think of when you were saying that uh, is uh, OCTNR has a, a slide that they do in some of their recognition training, and it's the difference between engagement and directed engagement. So what you made me think of is that story about that happy employee. They they say you know look at children playing soccer. You know they're engaged. They're happy. They're all you know around that soccer ball, all bunched together, all hanging out, you know, running in a little group. Um, most of the time there aren't any goals being made uh, when you're a little group of children. Very engaged, right? But what directed engagement looks like, I'm trained, I have capacity, I know what to do, I know how other people are relying on me, I know how to deliver, you know, the score, you know, the ultimate goal. And, um, and so I appreciate that word uh, that they put in front of me, that directed engagement. And how are we driving that? In, in the workplace, um, but yours is a, is a visual that I think so many of, of us have seen as we're relying on services in, in the greater world, as we're you know doing business with folks, as we're, as we're looking at our own organizations. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. So you you said delivering on engagement, and that doesn't happen by itself. Um, and I've, if I'm gonna fall back on the last conversation we had, the last time I saw you, kind of share your story. One of the things that I think that I still vividly remembers you talked about one of the things that one of the practices that's that's really helped to change um, the way people work and everything else and that's around recognition so would you be willing to share a little about what recognition what your practice looks like at Ohio Living how people use it some of those things around that because I love recognition it's one of those things that I consistently actually get number one I've seen we've done research that shows that of the practices that high-performing companies do to drive the best performance in their people, the number one thing they do is recognition. So mm-hmm. hats off to you. You're, you're, you've, you've got that one, um, I think, nailed. So share yeah. some of that story with us, how you guys are doing that. And, um, yeah, there you go. 
Thank you. Um, well, we, we wish very much to look like and behave in a way that showcases our values uh, every day, that we want to be a values-based organization. And we have six core values, and they are care, customer service, innovation, integrity, financial stewardship, and leadership. And we reinforce those core behaviors through our recognition system. Uh, we, we do have a partner, OCTN is our partner, um, and we uh, have an online recognition system uh, where we uh, have those six values, and then employees who are you know, living in accordance with those values can be recognized through this online system, either through uh, an electronic card, an e-card, or through uh, a gift, uh, an award. And um, so employees can nominate other employees. We have over 4,000 uh, recognition opportunities per month, meaning employees getting into the system, thanking, honoring, other employees who are living the values. Um, and so having that recognition system, um, uh, any of us can access uh, our, our phones for the app. Um, I've, I've been some weird places, and uh, I'll think about some my great team members, and I've been so busy at work that now I'm, you know, at the airport, I'm picking up my luggage, you know, waiting and waiting for your piece to come along, or waiting in line at a bank, or doing something else, and I'm like, great, I could get on my app right now, get in, thank someone, send them an e-card, let them know that the way that they lived that value made a difference, and here's how. And so that we could be like those thanking machines wherever we go. Um, and so I think that that, uh, because our work, our, our, our work is so physically and emotionally taxing, the fact that when you're in it, you're in it to, to, to drive your, you know, your own mission and, and, and your own sense of, of legacy. But it's hard. And someone else acknowledging that, is, is this thing that's like, ah, oh, I just got extra steam. I just got, you know, some, some gas and, and that engine to, and, and my, my oil, my motor, and I'm, I'm like ready to go. Hopefully those were effective car analogies since I really know much about us. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I think that, you know, just the fact that we have a recognition system says, hey, there is a place to say what you do matters and how you live our values matters. What I'd like to share with you is we've driven those six values. We, they started in recognition, and then we've driven them across into our performance system. So every employee, think about this, on your annual evaluation, there's six things and there are six values. Every employee from the front level team member to the CEO in the organization is evaluated annually based on how they live the six core values of our organization. Uh, leaders, um, also have uh, goals, but it's a 50-50 split. The value, so the how they live the values is equal and apart to how they deliver on the goals of the organization. And so when I'm driving recognition, what I'm really driving is the business outcomes that we want to see. And you might remember that day that I talked a lot about um, those measurements and business outcomes. Um, I'm happy to do that uh, if, if you'd like me to delve deeper into that, but I'm also happy to take a breath and, and see if you heard anything in there that you might like me to expand more or less on. Uh, actually, the, the first thing that popped in my head was, you're probably like me, I would pay an extra $10 to have my luggage come out of that car first, out of that little seat <laughs> first, instead of having, 
never fails. I don't. It doesn't matter if I'm the first person on the plane or the last person on the plane. It always comes out like dead last, and I don't understand how that like. <laughs> Possible. I think there's a special camera looking at you, Ben. Making yeah, just like, <laughs> wait a minute, that's his bag. Like hold that to the very end. He's waiting. He's the first one there waiting to shoot. No, um, he looks too back. eager. Yeah, like oh, let's you know that plane ride is way too smooth. We've got to level out his expectations for next time. Um, hurry up, spill a drink on him. No, um, the let's talk about the outcomes for sure because I again the the thing that gets me is. When we talk about recognition, it's you've probably battled this in the past, but I've had managers in the past say things like, you know, well, you know, I'm not gonna, we're not just gonna, you know, give everybody a trophy. We're not gonna pat everybody on the back. We're not gonna coddle our people. They've got work to do and everything else. And it's not about that. It's about actually, hopefully, if you're doing it the right way, driving better performance. But not everybody has that kind of dialed in the right way. Some of them are are just doing recognitions and it's not, it's just a transactional activity um, or kind of a social popularity game, but you've really cracked the code on how to make it, make it more than that. And I'd love for you to share some of those results that you've, you've seen. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so we've been really prioritizing our culture of appreciation for um, over 10 years now. And the way that I started it, uh, perhaps naively on my part, was to think that, hey, the way we treat people is important. So by golly, we're going to roll out a recognition system, and I'm going to have all of my human resources directors in the field. We're just going to roll this out, and here's the new system and the platform, and this is what, how we're going to talk about it, and okay, everybody, go. And, uh, you know, that's one of the many times I've fallen on my face because you think, okay, hey, this makes good sense. It feel, it's a feel-good. It's an obvious feel-good. Let's everybody do it. And, you know, people enter into that thing, sometimes uh, a, a new process or new concept or a, a new, I guess, an invitation to cultural behavior, uh, you know, very differently. And so, you know, we have very busy jobs. Our jobs are more, you know, our business is more regulated um, than coal mines and, um uh, other other places uh, uh, like that, and so y- you know, all day long, people are very or- oriented to how are we going to be in compliance and how are we getting the jobs done. And I don't have time to be nice to, even though all of them are very <laughs> much that way. But they don't want to see it as a priority, right? So, so in the beginning, I tried to roll it out. wasn't really um, as effective as I wanted it to be. And so I went back to who I saw logically as our cultural champions, and I invited them into the mix. And then suddenly we had something we can sink our teeth into. But then quickly uh, what we realized is it just can't be a nice thing to do. There need to be legitimate business reasons why we do recognition. And so what we started to do is we looked at our employee opinion survey, and we did this over 10 years ago, and we continue to do it every several years, different iterations of it. But we looked at our data across our organizations, and we're very blessed. Um, we have a, a lot of very high-functioning high locations throughout the state of Ohio. But what we noticed we didn't have any poor performers, but we had a kind of a, 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 a tilt between best and, uh, and good. So we had this good, great um, mix. So what goes into the good, and how, what are the great ones doing that are the differentiators that are making them great? So as we looked and compared ourselves against ourselves, we said, okay, what's true at the great locations? Hmm, interesting. 
Our great performing locations, our em employee satisfaction is higher. Hmm. What else is true? Oh, there's this other correlation, this correlation called satisfaction is higher when people feel respected by their bosses at work, when people feel appreciated and recognized by their bosses at work. Satisfaction is higher. So we started to look at correlations, and we said, hmm, recognition seems to be a driver for us. Well, what else is true? When recognition scores are high at our great locations, what else is true? Oh, our employees are turning over less. Hmm. That's millions to our bottom line. What else is true? Oh, our, our resident satisfaction, uh, the people we serve, our, our, their satisfaction is higher. Interesting. What else is true? Um, our state surveys. Um, you know, again, if we're as regulated as coal mines and nuclear power plants, um, state surveys make a difference. It's the make a difference of being in business and having a good reputation clinically in the greater marketplace. Hmm. What else is true? Perhaps powerfully, um, what we found what else is true is that the clinical outcomes of the people we serve were better and higher at our great performing locations whose recognition scores were also high. We found that at the high recognition scores, uh, the urinary tract infections, falls, and bed sores, other clinical data that we keep on the people we serve, all those things were lower. And in our home health and hospice side of the business, there were fewer visits to the ER and readmission rates to hospitals. So all of these things have an impact financially to our bottom line. But we were finding in every business outcome that we, we cared about that recognition mattered. The appreciation culture of how we serve our employees mattered in every element of the business we cared about. So now I could look a clinical team member or a skeptical team member in the eye and I said, you think you want to make a difference with your leadership, if you think you want to make a difference with your legacy of keeping us a strong provider, you want to give great care, let me tell you how to do it. Recognize and appreciate our employees. These business outcomes will happen. And that was exciting because before they just thought I was the fluff police. And now I was the, the research person with information that said, here's how to have a great impact in your job and, and with people we serve and in our business because we believe in what we do and we want to keep doing it. I love that. Coming out with research and data is a different, different sort of conversation than just saying, oh, you know, we should be nice, we should be happy and fluffy and all those things that HR usually is. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to quantify what – I mean, you could probably get down to it, you know, being nice to your patients and your clients and the people you're serving. Um, you said at the outset of the conversation, 73,000, right, over 73,000 people that you're serving every yes. year. And the difference in – that swing, if those people are having those positive interactions, if they're having good health outcomes, all those things, that's a big swing in, in the actual revenue of the business and everything else. So it's not just a, um, you know, be nice to them and maybe they'll come back to us, but they're also telling their friends and they're referring other people and people are telling their family like, oh, you know, this is, this is the company that I want to continue taking care of me. Um, and again, if someone is it, they could start out with you in one of your one of the areas where they're getting a little bit of assistance, and then as they progressively age, they can find other ways to take advantage of what Ohio Living is offering in terms of you know um, you mentioned home healthcare and hospice and like all the other different pieces of the business. But if that first interaction, that first point, that first 
time that they interact with a staff member, if they're, if they're treated like they're just another number in a very long list of numbers, then there's a pretty good likelihood they're going to find somewhere else. So that all is tied together and wrapped together. I've got to tell you, the, there's, there's a story that I know you love stories, and I've got to keep it really short, but there's a story about one of our, the best manager that we had at um, the firm that I worked at. I keep referring back to that. I feel like I have this connection. <laughs> Uh, like it or not, I really had this connection. The best manager we had there, he had the average turnover for the business was like 50%, something pretty pretty wild. But his his group, they did some of the hardest work. They care for the mentally ill patients in the area, and his group had about 10% turnover a year. Wow. And that's so impressive. I actually went and I'm just going to hang out with him be very quiet and see what he's doing because he's obviously figured something out. And it wasn't any one thing, as you might imagine. It, there's not just a one thing that he does that fixes everything, but from the very first interaction with one of his new employees, he is respecting them and appreciating them. And they're making you know $8 an hour or less at the time, and they're not they're, they're not getting the big bucks or anything else, but he treats them like they're the most important person that he's ever hired in his entire career. And those new employees get a letter from him that says things like, I picked you, you individually, Dana, to join this team because of these two or three skills that you have that I think are going to really help to serve our clients well. They need these things from you, and you have those, and I'm so excited to bring those to the table. I can't wait to you know, help you and guide you and mentor you in the coming years. And if you ever need anything, you can always come to me. I'm always willing to help. Signed, Antoine. And uh, mm. he is just one of those leaders that kind of awes you because he had no real formal training or anything else. And he just he loved taking care of his people and, and serving them well so that they would in turn serve the customers well. And so that's, that's what I always come back to in my head when I think about someone that does those things and is really exemplifying what it means to live, live the values and make that matter. So if I ever find Antoine and again, I'll send him up. I was going to say, I, I want to find Antoine. Give him my number. You know, uh, he's, he's living what all of us want to. You know, every human, a lot of, I hear people say this, and um, they don't mean it, but this is what I hear people say. I don't really need recognition. I don't really need, you know, and, and I think what they're saying is you don't have to put me on a stage and give me a trophy. I don't need that. But we use appreciation and, and recognition interchangeably. So I think, you know, appreciation is, is basically just human endorsement and acknowledgement. I value you. First off, because you're living and breathing and you're right here in front of me and you deserve my respect and my honor. Um, I want you to help I want to help you up your game. I want you to deliver more. I want you to this to be the best life ever, you know, and how do we do that together? And I just think, you know, at the end of the day, uh, as HR professionals, we, we are in this pivotal place to guide, to lift up, to connect. Um, it's time, you know, it's time that we do that in our organizations and just be the heart and blast and keep pumping and shine on, right? <laughs> shine on. Shine on. Absolutely. <laughs> Those, those words from Dana here today will live forever. No. Um, <laughs> I think we've gotten some really great practical ideas from you. You mentioned things like sharing success stories from employees who are doing great things. I used to call them legends when I, when I would do that, you know, the culture legends that we had, to show off someone that was really living one of those cultural touchstones or, or values that we held, you know, 
close to heart. Whenever someone did that really well, went above and beyond, I'm like, okay, forever. When I say, you know, um, one of our values is honesty and integrity through open communications. Like whenever I say that, this is the person I think of in my mind, and this is the mm. story I'm going to tell. So that every employee, they don't hear that that value, and they, they think something in their head. They, they're trying to guess what that means. Like, no, here's an actual behavior that you can tie that back to. So I love you sharing the story um, about doing that. Any other quick practical takeaways? There's you've got a you know several thousand of your closest friends. Are <laughs> and so no pressure. Give no them pressure. When they, I mean you. Again, you've already given them so many good things. But anything else you'd like to share that might help them as they're going to try to take this back and, and to make it matter at their own organization? Well, um, I suppose I have a challenge. Maybe, maybe I could put it in the form of a challenge. I, I think all of us should be challenged to create a workplace where each person can thrive and contribute to their fullest capacity. I think it's our responsibility to invest and create optimal supervisors and leaders who, who commit to employee engagement and strong partnerships. I think, of course, the businesses, we need to optimize and plan efficiencies of service delivery in all of our HR systems. Like That's the thing all of us get, our benefits, our wellness, our comp, you know, recruitment all of that stuff. That's like the basic expectation. Uh, but sustaining our organization's culture and aligning mission and, and values and our strategic plan, you know, those, that is, I guess, the, um, the challenge that I would say. The challenge to doing those bits of practical advice comes with this key advice that I want to give, which is just to create alignment with your staff. If you were just to walk out and say to people, what is the one thing that I can do to maximize your best experience today? What is the one thing you're going to do, employee, to maximize your best experience today? So not that I'm doing it for you, but we're in it together, you and I together maximizing your day. Um, And so um, I just want to tell you that I I get really, really excited about the opportunity to to maximize individual contribution. And um, you were very stimulating, Ben. I want to thank you for the opportunity to talk with you today. This was just just like a great chance to to share best practice and, and and hearts of service. Thank you so sincerely. Oh, absolutely. This is this is like my my candy candy caffeine shot, whatever. <laughs> this is my version of that that I get today. Um, I, I love having conversations with people like you. That I think anybody within seven seconds can figure out that you are incredibly excited to do what you get to do, and um, probably feel like me. Like thank goodness that I got to where I am. I, I'm able to do these things. So I love it. Um, if someone wants to connect with you, learn more about what you're doing, what Ohio Living is up to, what's the best way for someone to do that? Sure. Um, they can uh, find out uh, about us uh, uh, at ohioliving.org. Uh, we're on LinkedIn and Facebook, all types of social media, as I am personally. And uh, you can always give us a call, too. We're, we're good uh, social stewards, and we'd love to say hello. Thank you so much, Diana. This, I have really enjoyed the conversation. I know everybody else has as well. I just appreciate you sharing your insights, your passion, and your expertise with us. Thank you, Ben. Have a great rest of your day. Absolutely. To everybody else out there, this has been We're Only Human. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to We're Only Human. Please take a moment to share this episode with another HR leader who might see it as a valuable resource in their daily work. For more information about the podcast and to see all our show archives, please visit upstarthr.com.